Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of our Rebels Rewatch here at Nerd Herder. I'm your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I'm your Herd mom, Megan. And yeah, we're back talking more Rebels. Um, it's been slow going trying to get these episodes out, but um, it's just been slow going getting mm -hmm. any episodes out um, these last yeah. few weeks. But I feel like we're getting better, getting yeah. bit more of a rhythm. Sorry for that brief iced coffee <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but if you want these episodes to happen, we have to have our coffee. Yes. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're steadily, I think, getting better with finding the time to do this with new schedules and craziness. And I know we're always kind of talking about that, but we're always working on it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's week to week we're trying to, because mm -hmm. you don't have a set schedule and then I think I do and then stuff happens. And yeah. so, um, but as long as the episodes get out, much like this week, it was supposed to be on Friday, but it's Saturday but at least it's getting out, right? Mm -hmm. That's what matters. Um, and so I don't even know what episode numbers these are. I just know we're talking about them. <laughs> I, yeah, I know we're talking about Empire Day and Gathering Forces. Yeah, so it. whatever number those are. Mm -hmm. um, and it confuses me even more because our episode number is not their episode number. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think I this know. is like the fifth one of these things. Something like that. I don't know. Um, we in it. But like you said, we are talking about Empire Day and Gathering Forces. So this is a two-part kind of episode because, well, it's a two-parter. Mm -hmm. um, it's What I hate, though, is um, we're watching off the Blu-rays. And on the Blu-ray, it's a two-disc Blu-ray. And for some reason, they decided to switch discs between these episodes. Like, yeah. literally make it a to-be-continued. Like, until you put the next disc in. Yeah. It's just like, seriously? Um, I don't know. I get butt hurt when that kind of stuff happens because I'm just like, really, one one episode. You could put a one more episode on this disc. Yeah. Um, so, but no. So uh, we're officially into the second disc. Mm -hmm. We have been. We've we've we're a few episodes yeah, ahead of this. We are. Um, because we just can't wait to get to that good good mall content. Right. Yeah. Um, but we are. Um, this is where we are when we're talking about it. And so this is kind of this is the mid season stuff. This is when. I'd say we start getting, I mean, we've been dealing with some serious stuff, which has been part of our interesting conversations in the last few episodes, you know, mentorship and relationships and trust issues and all. I mean, it's not like it's been lacking in depth, but I think here's where a lot of um, strings start to kind of tie together in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, certain plot threads start to become a little bit more relevant we start to see certain um, antagonists a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a little bit more urgency for our characters to do their normal thing. Yeah. Um, which is kind of where this episode goes. Because if you know, after these episodes, we get episodes dealing with um, Ezra's training. It goes yeah. deeper with Ezra's training. And the, the, next, the, the next episode, um, Path of the Jedi, is actually really good in terms of dealing with Jedi training post the Jedi era. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think that was the last episode that we watched. Um, Something like that? No, we got to Lando Calrissian. Uh, um, did we? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Like, we didn't watch it. We got to that yeah. episode, and that's where we um, paused yeah. our watch. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> Lando shows up. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, so, like, it. this is where it starts, I think, getting more serious in terms of, we're not yeah. just introducing little elements we're really <clears throat> going home on a lot of things yeah um and that's big for the because 
we've get, gotten different character develops. We knew Ezra had some stuff, mm-hmm. but um, we've learned... I mean, obviously, we can assume Kanan's a Jedi, so there's his baggage. Yeah. Um, Hera Sandula, we know her baggage. Sabine yeah. talked about a little bit of hers. Yeah, we know that she was in the Imperial Academy. We know that she was on Mandalore during the Siege of Mandalore? Uh, well, assumable. Assumable. But um, yeah. that's more Clone Wars. See, yeah. Siege of Mandalore is Clone Wars. Um, she would, she, after the fallout of that, we got, uh, she got involved with the empire and basically as it would, as you'd expect, it came back to bite her. Yeah. Um, by the way, I don't know what the Siege of Mandalore is. I just know that it happened, happened. which is a lot of things in Star Wars Well, nobody knows exactly everything because, I mean, we have outline Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know the details. We won't know until February. Mm-hmm. That's when we'll see a lot of things that we assume yeah. um, take take shape. It's like same what we were talking about at celebration. Like he asked Dave Filoni what happened, and he was like, "No, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> not going to tell you." Doing a very good Dave Filoni impression. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, what else? Oh, Zeb. Um, Zeb. We got some history with him yeah. and Callus in terms of his people being pretty much exterminated. Yeah. Um, Chopper's the only one we haven't gotten. Uh, he comes, I think, season two. Yeah. Season two, he gets his moment. Um, he Chopper is the middle <laughs> child. Is, That's what we know about Chopper. Oh no, it's not Empire Day. It's Gathering Forces where yes. Chopper has his moment. We'll he save has it. A fantastic moment. <laughs> um, so, but now it's Ezra's time. We knew troubled yeah. youth, no parents. Mm-hmm. Eh. Like, where did that come from? Well, and here we get a little bit more of that, um, mm-hmm. and also we get the introduction of Empire Day, yes. which is really interesting because we always think of Independence Day. You know, mm-hmm. every country typically has a day when they gained certain freedoms that are established in the country today, yeah. um, you know, and you always think of that, but you never really think of a un-Independence Day, I guess is what this would be. Yeah. <laughs> or... Uh, um, you are de- or Dependence Day? Dep- <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. I guess so. it's It's celebrating the fact that this is the day um, 15 years. So, And also we actually yeah. figure out, okay, Ezra's 15, mm-hmm. which also means this takes place 15 years after episode 3 because yeah. Empire Day is when the Empire was founded. Great world building. Oh, yeah. When it's all subtly introduced in terms of, of course you've been wondering, but yeah. like they're not just going to put a time stamp on it they, they introduce yeah. it through the story it's a good way to age your characters it's a good way to kind of establish a timeline mm-hmm. and it's a great it's world building yeah i think dave filoni does that very well oh yeah in the clone wars and in rebels when working with 15 year olds like it feel ezra feels very appropriate now having an age yeah knowing where he is in his development yeah. Um, he's very familiar to some of the teens that we work with mm-hmm. uh and oh, whatnot very familiar yeah. Yeah. And so um I know at least three or four Ezra Bridgers. <laughs> I think that's really good development uh of the character on their part and also on um I think it's Taylor Gray is the actor yeah. um on his part in terms of bringing Ezra to life and so but yeah Empire Day it's really interesting mm-hmm. and there's a really cool moment where um they have them run the they're in a cantina and they run mm-hmm. the hollow net which is talking about uh Empire Day and there's a scene where they show yeah. The scene from Empire, or not Empire, from Return, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. When Palpatine makes the big announcements of, you know, the new Galactic Empire. And it's not quite the way yeah. anyone would remember it. And also, they use 
an older picture of yeah him. that's what i mean yeah yeah it's not how we know it no which is there's more of that throughout rebels which is really cool but um you know for anyone ever wondering kind of like okay how did they explain the just jump mm-hmm. like that's why is you yeah. know the yeah i went through the uh the kind of trivia thing and they made a good point about the the picture that they used like mm-hmm. you see in dictatorships and stuff like that there's always one picture of a leader or a dictator that you associate with that person right because that's what they put out there that's all what the they time. put yeah. out there well and it's interesting because it's the idea of yeah it's kind of bad but look at that old man he can't be all that bad no um you could blame it on the system you could blame it on you know imperial officers not necessarily the emperor even though he calls himself the emperor yeah but if he looked like himself no that tells you all you need to know he bailed bailed. (laughs) um but also what's similar to real life war accounts is this idea of the like this is all you digest is the imperial propaganda. Yeah. This is, you know, it's supposed to run at all times. We also get a similar thing to much like the episode that had um, R2 and 3PO where it's like, these are imperial droids. Uh, they can't go with other droids to the back. And it's like, sorry, it's imperial regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing here where the bartender, uh, like, when the... It's the law. Yeah, the... Um, the authority. What's his bar- face? His name is Joe. Oh, yeah, his name's Joe. But uh, Gal Travis, the guy that does the broadcast, yeah. um, he interrupts the hollow net. Yeah. And he's like, wait, Coke, turn it off. And he's like, I can't. It's the law. Exactly. I, I just love moments like that it's where great. it's like, you, you told me to. Civil disobedience in small ways is right. so great. Um, well, and one cool thing about Joe's uh, pit shop is, is what that it's his called. his name is Joe? Uh, it's not that it's Joe, but of the Clone Wars stuff. Yes. Um, he has a gunship yeah, the on the Chrome front of bomber. his... Yeah, and that's um, uh, that's from the 212th. Yeah. I don't want to say it's Cody's, but it's from his battalion, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also has a clone trooper helmet in the bar, which is really mm-hmm. cool. I love seeing elements of the past here. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good time to help with that transition in terms of what happened to all that stuff. Yeah. Like... Um, with... Go ahead. In the next episode, we see we see the same planet. Oh, it's not a planet. It's an asteroid that uh, yeah, uh, Hera and Sabine went to. Yes, and I don't know if it was mentioned before. Um, in, in I know we didn't mention it. Yeah. I don't know if it was in the previous episode, but in this ep- or in the next episode, they actually name it Fort Axis. Mm-hmm. So it does have yeah. a name. Um, what was I going to say? Um, goodness gracious! What were you going to say? I was talking about the gunship stuff. The gunship. Oh, um, in researching for our Death Star episode that was on our main show, if you haven't checked that out, uh, yeah. we talked about ways you can die on the Death Star, and I was researching the development of the Death Star because there's a lot of interesting history there. One thing we didn't get to talk about that was interesting that kind of relates to this, or at least in my brain now, mm-hmm. is they used the refineries, the droid refineries on Geonosis. They tore them down and used that metal and ore to help build the death star so that kind of yeah where did they get this stuff they got it from recycling and i think yeah you know in my brain it went to <clears throat> well that's probably what happened to a lot of the clone war stuff probably like we know what happened to the venators and like the huge gunships but like we we don't know what happened to the little stuff yeah like, and so like now i see the idea of they probably recycled what what do you think is like 
how how do you think the transition went from you know these being republic ships you know these huge beautiful ships that Mm -hmm. are triangle shaped i can't remember the name they're venators right yeah they're venators yeah. yeah I mean, there's Star Destroyers too, but yeah. nobody calls them that because exactly. it sounds scary when you... Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, how how do you feel? How do you think people felt about these going from, you know, symbols of peace? Like, the Republic is here. They're here to help to, oh God, the Empire's here. They're Star Destroyers. Well, I don't think it did as much as people think because mm-hmm. a lot of people, that's what they saw in the Clone Wars. That's what yeah. they saw in the Republic is they saw the Empire already. Yeah. Um, but, like, I... I know for me it was an interesting transition because mm-hmm. having seen the Star Destroyers and then them showing up suddenly on the Clone Wars and being like, oh, those are Star Destroyers. Mm-hmm. That's weird. There's people walking around in Imperial officer uniforms, clones walking around in Imperial officer uniforms. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a weird kind of in-between thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense because it means the transition wasn't as big. I mean, a lot of that stuff existed beforehand. It's yeah. a, it's really a lot of name change. Yeah, um, like Admiral Yularen becoming Empire. Yeah, and yeah. so um, in a staunch Imperial, he believed in the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, Which makes me so sad because he was such a great character. He was, but like it makes sense because he challenges Anakin a lot in term, and he challenges Jedi stuff a lot. He's yeah. a military guy. Military personnel were the easiest to transition from Republic to Empire because mm-hmm. they were the ones that were like, we need to go harder. If these yeah. Jedi weren't here, if they weren't the ones in charge of the war, we could really fix this quicker. Yeah. So, And this is not it was real a, world commentary, by the way. No, but it was it was an easy transition. I mean, yeah. and so... Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to perspective. I think people assume, you know, and we've talked about that a lot. Like, people asked for the Empire. They wanted the Empire because such a bad taste had been left because of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. That was the point in having the Jedi lead the Clone Wars is because they weren't upset with the Republic and the military. They were upset with the Jedi. They were upset with the Jedi. And it was easy to say, even if you weren't upset with the Jedi, it was easy to blame it on the Jedi exactly. rather than the system. So Welcome I don't... back to Clone Wars Rewatch. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think it was as much of a transition. Well, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point because these, these episodes, more so than any we've talked about yeah. before, feature Republic stuff, which is, it's just interesting because mm-hmm. you don't typically, I mean, by the time of um a new hope you don't see that anymore yeah um and but you know and that that was my original point is i think that's why it seemed like it just all disappeared Mm -hmm. is i think they used it to make the new stuff because Mm -hmm. i mean they've always been about the cheapest option rather than build new stuff and just get rid of the old stuff i mean and and actually there's reason to believe that because in jedi fallen order we know that cal the character that we're going to play worked on um tearing down venators like mm-hmm. they would take apart and melt down venators so it's reasonable to believe that's how we got the empire we got yeah. is because they basically recycled everything from the republic which is yeah. very metaphorical do you remember when that was such a point of confusion with us like is that a venator what yeah, are they what, doing right like that's that, not a star story <laughs> yeah that made no sense to me um and that's a really cool way to make it kind of yeah. spin around um which I think they wanted that kind of... Yeah, definitely. Um, so a big part, uh, we, when we first are introduced, we kind of get the point of the next couple of episodes because yeah. Kanan's training Ezra to try and connect with uh, a Lothcat, connect with nature. Sweet but the baby. idea is you, in order to use the Force, 
you have to connect with others. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the whole point is he doesn't want to connect with others because he's got some baggage. Yeah. Um, Let your guard down is the specific advice that Kanan gives him. Yeah. Which, that's good in any relationship, not just using the force. Well, yeah. Like, well, his point is, like, you can only get so far unless you're going to do that. Yeah. And so, and that's... Rebels is really good about introducing its point very clearly, and that that's kind of the point. Uh, along with all the battles and the Inquisitor and the, you know, whatnot, the point is that Ezra's got baggage that he's not willing to let go of at first, which is holding him back from relating to others. It's not just about forcey mm-hmm. stuff. It's not about just controlling animals. It's about just being able to relate to people. Yeah, and you really get a sense in these two episodes, like looking at Ezra and how he interacts with people and how, you know, how his interactions go in general. Mm -hmm. Like, all throughout the first couple episodes of Rebels, we see this kid holding back so hard from, you know, making any kind of connection with Hera, with Kanan, with Sabine, with Zeb, everybody. But then, like, it makes you think, how many times has this kid been let down? Well, he attacks that directly in the next episode in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, he can't keep going through that. It's better to just not um than to get let down again yeah um and so while for our heroes part of the plot is sabotaging empire day yes um there's a subplot where really actually the sabotage is the subplot the main plot is that there's a rodian on the loose that they're look the empire is looking for and it turns out to be an old friend of ezra's parents yeah and um so the main plot centers around them trying to get this Rodian, his name's Zebo, mm-hmm. trying to get him away from the Empire because he's got information vital to the Empire, which is why yeah. they want him back. Um, the kicker is that he's got this connection to Ezra's past that's kind of... It's forcing him to try and face his past, but he doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, that's the whole struggle of, and I mean, and we see Ezra's old home. And, like, there's just a lot going on for Ezra in this episode. Yeah, this poor baby, he's going through some stuff right now. Um, and it really kicks off, and we're, I mean, you know, we're kind of skimming over the details a little bit, but I mean. It's because we want you to watch the episode. <laughs> well, I mean, normally we talk more about it, but it's just, they blow up a TIE fighter. They escape yeah. Lothal. There's some space battle. Yeah. Like they're... a new fancy Tie Fighter with curved wings. Yeah, That's um, literally it. <laughs> there, there's definitely things going on, but the the main points, the character development that Ezra's going through, yeah, and um, where the episode ends and where it kind of kicks off is when Zebo kind of snap. So he's got this Lobot thing. Yeah, he's got the kind of cybernetic bracer on the back of his head yeah which we've seen a few times in the films mostly on once really yeah once with lobot just, just that's lobot. it yeah just they're the only zebo and lobot are the only ones known to have this really they're, i mean well th- that we see oh yeah i mean yeah. it's a thing and um sabine makes the point of this isn't regulation this is you, you volunteer for stuff like this yeah in zebo's case in zebo's case yeah yeah um She's on. She's right. You're right. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. In Zebo's case. Yeah. So, they're, but they're you know it, it's one of those things with the Empire. Mm-hmm. Volunteer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so that's the big thing is he's got all of these files on the Empire, um, and but what it does is it basically turns you into a robot 
but he kind of snaps in and out. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment he snaps out of it, and he's kind of himself a, for a minute. Um, and he says that he knows what happened to Ezra's parents. And so it's like this big, like, yeah, what? Yeah, and then the next episode just is Ezra struggling with that. Well, and what's interesting, though, is there's this funny moment when um, Zebo mentions... Or no, Ezra mentions Zebo was friends with his parents at one point. And Kanan's like, your parents? You never mentioned... And it's just, I wanted to have a moment of like, what did... What, are you confused that he has parents or that he hasn't talked about the fact that he has parents? Like, well... It, you know? It makes you think, like, Kanan didn't know who his parents were. Yeah, true. Like, but, he's kind of, the, the concept of parents can be kind of foreign to Kanan. I guess. I, it's just, it was a just funny, like, it was a funny two? response. It was, it was just like, oh, parents. Yeah, those are a thing. Yeah. I never like, oh. <laughs> It was so funny. A parent, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, and really, we haven't gotten much into that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like Kanan said, it's just never really been addressed. You kind of just assume. Yeah, he's off on his own. Yeah, like, I mean. He's like Oliver. But as with any orphan, eventually you do have to tackle the story of the parents because that's usually significant yeah. to their story. They have to have a sad backstory. They have to have a musical number about their parents <laughs> are dead. And then they have to sing It's a Hard Knock Life. It's a Hard Knock Life. It's a Hard Knock Life for Ezra Bridger. Boy, it baby. is. Uh, and we'll get back to it after a brief ad. So after the big bomb drop of I Know What Happened to Your Parents. Um, episode ends. <laughs> episode ends. We get to the next episode, Gathering Forces. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a really good transition point with everything going on. And so... Like we mentioned, there's action, there's stuff going on outside of the character development we were talking. So yeah. while this exchange is happening, they're on the ghost and it's really scrambling because yeah. they're being chased by the Inquisitor and several times. Like, yeah, one, something is on fire. Yeah, uh, Chopper. Chopper uh, <laughs> no. well, one thing I really appreciated was like they were really on top of handling yeah. the, like, the Empire... They didn't send one or two. They didn't just trust the Inquisitor. Like, yeah. they were on top of the they ghost. They sent forces. It was intense. And I really liked the... Rebels does a good job of capturing that space feel that was interesting of the original trilogy in that it's not big-scale battles all the time. No. Um, it's mostly us following our little crew trying to escape the big battles. Mm-hmm. And this was another good example of that in terms of kind of recapturing that classic space feel um of of the of you know oh we got to get away from the empire they're doing bad stuff yeah and i think this little moment of chaos does a really good job of kind of showing us how our different characters react to chaos like Hera's calm and collected she's piloting the ship she's great chopper is on the floor yeah so like they got (laughs) yeah um when they were escaping they got shot once and apparently um it did something to fry his circuits for I a second. So. Yeah. He's he's fine later, but like, um, yeah, it's it's really yeah. interesting. So just the fact that he's on the floor like cockroached. Yeah, well, what's fun? Cool. Yeah, after he gets zapped, like all his compartments pop <laughs> for a second. Um, so Zeb takes over the rear guns. Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody, they're all kind of doing their thing, and yeah. and Ezra's dealing with, you know, yeah, crisis. Yeah, because um, like. You don't just move on from a bombshell like that. Well, and it's also really interesting because this is a heck of a time to have this. Like, yeah. I mean, all this other stuff is happening and it's just like, 
you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really good way to deal with it rather than, oh, let's all sit around and, and deal with baggage. Yeah. No, let's it's... Let's have a talk. Yeah, no, it's no. like we, we're, we're in the middle of stuff. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Zebo just like comes out of nowhere and puts in some coordinates and then they jump to hyperspace. Oh, yeah, he manually puts in... Like, yeah. And what you've got to think about is what's intense about hyperspace is that it's a careful plotting and that's why there's hyperspace lanes you can only travel a certain way and if most of the time you don't know that Mm -hmm. you don't know what this hyperspace lane is because there's probably hundreds of thousands yeah and And, you have to have like coordinates and stuff right so that's why you have a a nav computer or a droid that can do that for you because they have a database of all that stuff yeah zebo now technically we know he didn't completely manually do it but it's still impressive that you know he was able to just boop 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 okay there we go yeah there's something that i love about the character of zebo that i did not mention when Uh we talked about the last episode he has what i want to call idle mode where he's just like staring in space his mouth is open it's just very cute yeah well and that's what they talk about in with this implant is basically i mean they turn your brain into an actual computer, yeah. mostly for information and function. Yeah. You, he also has a projector. Yeah. yeah. You don't have personality or anything. And so it's, you know, there there's a lot of moments where you see that come through in terms of like, you know, this is literally a computer attached to this dude's brain. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to be a little weird. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be able to function normally. Yeah. Which is just, it's, it's interesting kind of thinking about the reasons why they would need this or do this or like productivity but droids get droids i don't (laughs) like i don't know it just it seems like if you could get a droid to do these functions but i guess droids are corruptible but clearly zebo escaped so it's like yeah there's no foolproof way to keep your information or to protect your stuff you know because like the general idea is like he accessed all of these files accidentally apparently and then ran well uh, i guess like they never like that's what zabine assumes yeah because like you said she says like he would have had to volunteer for this um and but like they never really explain exactly what happened Mm -hmm. but yeah it's he got all this information and i think at some point he started having these personality things where he he would remember he would be himself and that's when yeah. he kind of have a oh crap i need to kind of moment but he like it's really crazy to think about how he would have escaped yeah. constantly i mean essentially in a bipolar manner like one minute he's all together and he's like i gotta get out i've got to get mm-hmm. safe and then the next minute he's like yeah empire information something that kind of confused me about um zebo is that like so a couple times on Wikipedia, no, no, not on Wikipedia, on the Star Wars website, when you go through, it says that he's speaking his native language, mm-hmm. which should be Rodian, because he's speaking Hatties. Yeah, well, no, um, they they are a part of the Outer Rim sector that would be primarily controlled by the Huts. Okay, so they're that like confused me. on Tatooine. Yeah, the primary language is Hatties. There's just certain planets in the Outer Rim speak. A certain language kind of yeah. thing by the um, way if you didn't know 
There's a giant database of the languages, and Pablo Hidalgo specifically is the one who translated this. Yeah. Well, and yeah, Rhodians are of those kind of outer rim basic species that yeah. would speak Hatiz just because of where they come from. That's the primary language there. So yeah. when it says native, it means native to a sector, not necessarily the planet. Yeah. If that makes sense. I like Hatiz. It's a nice language. Um, yeah, and it kind of goes back and forth, which is interesting, but because mm-hmm. of obviously you got to understand the important stuff. Yeah, he always says the important things in basic. Yeah, of course. Um, but what's cool is, so they're being tracked. Mm-hmm. Um, just before they escape, um, they put uh, the Inquisitor puts a tracker on the ship. Yeah, new fancy kind of tracker. Um, what's interesting is because, so they fix Chopper and he wakes up. And does some karate moves. Um, they Yeah, he like he wakes up and he's like ready to go. Um, and by this point they figured out, oh crap, we're being tracked. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, Chopper, we need you to figure something out to do with this. Yeah, and they can sh- you scan for this and show something? Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> he very clearly <laughs> uses some uh, foul language. Yeah, which I think we can translate into, the heck is that? Exactly. Um, but much more profane and much yeah. more Chopper-ish. Yeah. Uh, which is not uh, hard to believe because Chopper is voiced by Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. So, uh yeah, <laughs> we so both funny. we both died laughing because I love moments where yeah they clearly make the droid beep boop yeah in the language in in the words that you're trying to say yeah like there's a moment in uh, Return of the Jedi where um, the R two and three PO come before Jabba and three Jab- uh, PO is kind of like you know hello there in the very C three PO way and R two does a beep boop beep. And it's like, hello there. Like, that's how my brain yeah. always... Like, certain times you hear it, and they're clearly going for yeah. words. And it just goes to show how much personality the droids have. <laughs> like, you don't get this from a regular droid. Like, um, I can't think of a regular droid, though. Like, R4. Yeah. R4 would not speak exactly like... No, R2. he would just say, sure. Yeah. Right. Like, yes. yes. Master. Right. No, Chopper is just like, what the heck is that? Why should I care? <laughs> Exactly. Um, and he laughs too. Right. And so, what's so they find the tracker. It's on the ghost, but it's on the Phantom, the little subship yes. they have. So clever naming convention, Hera. Good job. Kanan has the idea of well, if it's on that, we can just release the ship. It'll fall out of hyperspace, and we can go to that planet where you guys, Hera and Sabine, had the bad day. Mm-hmm. And we can use those beasts to help fend off the Empire. Yeah. Because at this point, they're being tracked. Like, they have to, if they just stop and take off the tracker, they run the risk of the Empire just catching up to them. Mm -hmm. So they have to get rid of the tracker. So in the time it would take to get rid of it, they also have to have a plan of fighting the Empire. Yeah. And I think it's a a really good plan. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, you just, you take them over here... We'll get this dude to safety, and then, like, they'll yeah. just meet up. and that's another part of it, too, is so Hera passes Zebo along to Fulcrum, mm-hmm. um, which is a really cool moment. And, and it's one of those things where it's, yet again, it's not a retcon, it's not fixing stuff, but it does explain how the Rebellion could know so much about the Empire. Exactly. Zebo. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool that that's how we get a lot of our major... Rebel battles later on is because Zebo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they go to uh, the asteroid where the clone base was, Fort Axis, 
And that's where the Phrynox were that attacked yes. Hera and Sabine. So Kanan's whole thing is, okay, we're going to revisit this whole connect to animals thing with, with Ezra. <laughs> right, like do it or die, basically. Because exactly. um, there's no way he can connect to that many at once. Which is smart because that's, that. like he, he says, like we're going to do it the way you know it best, by survival. Mm-hmm. And and it's smart because that that's how you get anything out of Ezra. Mm-hmm. He only does it if he has to do it. And... You know, finding that determination of you can't run away, you can't avoid this, you've got to face your problems. Exactly. And Ezra does not put on his seatbelt. Oh yeah, Daddy that's told true. Him. Um, and so, but they do have that. They have that moment as the Frynox approach of like, dude, you gotta, you gotta deal with it. You gotta get gotta it right it. because they're gonna eat you. And because um, his whole thing is, like, he says, uh, you know, he's afraid of knowing because what he says to Sabine earlier because. And Sabine gets this. She, she's the one pushing him in terms of like, don't you want to know about your family? Don't you want to be able to find your parents and all this other stuff or get closure? Like, she's the best person to be relating to Ezra right here. And what he revealed, he, he's just like, I don't want to have hope again. I don't, I, you know. Yeah, he's afraid of knowing. Right. I wouldn't have survived if I hadn't decided that they're dead. Yeah. Because if I think they're alive, I'm going to, you know... I, yeah. I'm going to be disappointed all the time. And so that's what he comes to in this moment, in the heat of the moment. He's just like, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to know. I'm scared of knowing because yeah. I'm scared of being let down. Exactly. Um, but he, he, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, He forgives Zebo. Right. Um, which is because they have a really heated exchange. Again, really good stuff on um, Taylor's part for Ezra's acting because he has this whole point of, he sees it as Zebo could have done something. He could have stopped them. And yeah. I think that's an interesting point to his outlook on stopping the Empire. His thing is like, someone else should have done this thing. Rather than him doing something, his outlook is... And it's understandable. Yeah, He's a kid. He's 15. But his outlook is, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? You know, rather than, I can do this. I can do that kind of thing which is kind of a stumbling block i see in his character in terms of you can't move forward until you decide that you can do something exactly you know you can blame the other guy you can blame the past generation all you want but you've got to decide Mm -hmm. to do something which is very poignant in today's day and age when we're dealing with the issues of um you know global climate change and all of these other issues the job market our generation is dealing with the struggles of this because of our past generations, mm-hmm. whether they actively did this or they inactively allowed it to happen, nonetheless, yeah, we have a hard time because of past generations. Yeah, we could just throw up hands and constantly be like, "Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that?" You know, yeah. but what's that change? Exactly. What if we instead decide to change now? And I see that in Ezra, basically, is is my point. Yeah. And so that allow that that removes that blockage for him. He's able to connect. To the Frynox, and all of a yeah. sudden they got an army. Yes. They got an army of Fry Boys. Yeah. Um, and the Inquisitor shows up with his troops in a very imperial fashion. Yeah. They've very, always got to yeah. have a good entrance. And I mentioned 
while we were watching it that I love the fact that the Inquisitor is wearing pantaloons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we <laughs> talked about his outfit. Very Empire Sith yeah. kind of meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and two, we didn't get to mention, when he flies his uh, tie, he has a really specialized helmet, it's which is cool. really cool. It's very cool. Like, I love that when you join the Sith, you just get a cool helmet. Yeah. Um, and so they show up, and obviously the troopers are the ones most taken off guard by the Frynox and whatnot. Yeah. But... They just freak out. <laughs> yeah, the Inquisitor is just like, eh. Yeah. You know, he he's not stopped by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Kanan get to have a really cool lightsaber yes. fight. I love the Inquisitor's fighting style. It's very, like, Errol Flynn. Because, uh, like, his... Very fancy. Yeah. His, uh, uh, his lightsaber, it kind of transfers into a rapier kind of sword. Yeah, so when he only uses one blade, mm-hmm. it yeah, it has that... Um, semicircle around the hilt. Yeah, versus the handguard. Right, so it, it that splits when it becomes the mm-hmm. um, double blade it's and so turns cool. into the circle thing, which I do. I, it's a really I, cool design. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, I love the look of it when it's just a single blade. Yeah, because it's very classic sword. Yeah, uh, and his fighting style very very classic. Yeah, because I I remember which makes sense. I remember when um, Rebels toys were coming out, and I we were walking through Walmart, and I picked up the 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 lightsaber, and I was like, "What the heck is this? Why is it a circle?" Right, right. And I couldn't like I couldn't process like who who has right. this? Who what is this? Yeah. And now I know, and I want one. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, spinning is a cool trick. It is a very cool trick. But. A single blade rapier is oh, yeah. pretty, just pretty. Like I feel like I would have that if I was oh, yeah. a lightsaberist. Yeah, it's not as good as his original, but it's yeah. still it's still cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I and I love that they capture. It's a good blend. It's what I love about the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. lightsabers, in terms of it captures the classic like intentional strikes. Yes. You know, very emotional um, battle. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what you get in like, uh, well, really all three of the original films. Mm-hmm. Everything is, is weight. You know, all of it has stakes to it. It's not just yeah. about the fight. And not to say that it's the opposite in the prequels, but the prequels accomplish it with flair. They accomplish it with... It's like, very stylized. Yeah, well, it because the lightsaber fights are almost a language. Yeah. You know, when, when George always talks about and um, when the stunt coordinator always talks about, like, these are in their prime characters, mm-hmm. it's this sort of, it speaks of their pride, it speaks of their, yeah. you know, self-reliance in terms of, like, I don't need to be one with the force, I don't need to be super spiritual, because I can do freaking flips, yeah. and I can, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, it's very different based on, yeah. it, it's, I almost it's see like, it like... The Jedi of the original trilogy, Kanan, all like all of this, mm-hmm. I see them being like, I I need the Force for this. Yeah, I need to trust the Force for this because it's scared. Versus yeah. the prequels, where it's just like we've been trained for this. Yeah, it's like I don't really we don't really li- rely on the Force because the lightsaber is second nature. Exactly, it, it's really interesting going from the lightsaber is second nature, the Force is second nature. It yeah. really speaks again to. Yeah where the Jedi are in their periods. Go ahead and take a shot of coffee because I'm about to talk about Maul. Okay. Um, that's what makes the Maul fight in The Phantom Menace so special is like, it's so... I just wanted to make sure they knew I was actually yeah. taking a sip of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stylized because 
it wasn't the Maul's lightsaber wasn't thought of as a lightsaber. It was thought of as a bow staff mm-hmm. because that was what Ray Park could use. Right. And like that's why it's a double bladed lightsaber because he is a martial artist. Mm-hmm. And like that's what makes it so intense and special is like because he's maneuvering the lightsaber like you would a bow staff. Right. Like uh and it's it's well, so cool. It's and, so cool. And the Phantom Menace is probably the one of the prequels that I say does the best in blending the two yes. that we're talking about in terms of because you've got yeah. style and you've got emotional weight. Yes. Um there's not as much as what I would say unnecessary flair. No. Um I you could it, call the double-bladed lightsaber unnecessary, but I think it's Not fantastic. really. I think it makes perfect sense. Yes. I think different styles of sabers make perfect sense. Um, I, you know, I love episode three. Yes. I love all of the lightsaber fights of episode three. Are you thinking about the useless spinning? Yes, I am. <laughs> because it's one of those things where I love, I love it for the knowledge that they trained intensely yes this is hard what they're doing even and, if it is choreographed and the reason it lasted so long was you're fighting the person that you trained with well and that's true so like in my brain i can make most of it go away by well they know each other enough that's why but a lot of it's just like i feel like it's too much it focuses too much on the style and too much on the the sabers than mm-hmm. the emotional weight yeah and so for me it's a cool fight, but it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love stuff like this where they blend the styles, where they really bridge the gap. And like I said, I see the metaphor, even if it's not there, the way I yeah. sort of mentally digest it is that this is an era where the Jedi's second nature is the Force first, lightsaber second. Yeah. Versus, and, and I think it just speaks to, again, the characters of that time. Their second nature was lightsabers. Yeah. Their second nature was fight, pull the gun out the holster, be the sheriff that you are. Yeah. Not, let's feel out the force. Let's, you know, let the force lead. Let's the force guide. Let's, you know, like it was just very different, very different. So, yeah. Which, um, in the middle of this lightsaber fight, Kanan takes out a blaster and tries to shoot the Inquisitor. Oh, yeah. I well, love what, what, that. I love that he's got that blend of, exactly. like, he's not afraid to use a blaster. Yeah. Um... And I feel like that inspired Ezra later on. Absolutely it did. <laughs> He's just he like, was like, oh gosh, that was cool. Right. It's just like, but wait, what if it was all one? So Ooh. I love Ezra's lightsaber. It's so His first cool. one. Second one, man. Yeah, I was sad. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's so amazingly It's cool. such a good lightsaber. Um, but yeah, so Kanan is outdone and it really speaks to, and I love when it comes up later, the Inquisitor is a master swordsman. Yeah. Like that is not something to take lightly. He, and it, Again, they tell they explain why later. Uh, I don't know if you know. I don't know. Okay, they explain later, and it makes perfect sense why he would be such a good swordsman. And so yeah. it's one of those things where it's just like his fighting style is very Dooku. Uh, well, it it's like more refined than Dooku's, but like it, like specifically, I'm it's sure very they took, fencing. Yeah, I'm sure they took style from him, yeah. uh, influence from his form. I think yeah. like form like, seven. Yes. Um, it's very, um, it's very particular. It's very, you know, intentional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he outdoes Kanan pretty easily, which yes. we see pretty often. Because he was a Padawan. Very true. He, like, he, he is good for what he knows, but, uh, yeah, yeah. he, he's 
also incomplete mm-hmm. uh, in his training. And so then Ezra has a freak out moment when, he, you know, the Inquisitor is antagonizing him. Yes. All of this is going to die. All of this is going to go away. You can't help anyone. You can't stop any of it. Yeah. And we actively see the progression of fear leads to anger, leads to hate, leads to... He passes out. In. Yeah, like he <laughs> passes out before he suffers. But essentially, yes. yeah, like you see that growth in terms of, and I love. So he summons, literally, this is what they called it in production, Frynok Mama. Yes, that's all they called it. But basically, a giant Frynok that attacks yeah. the Inquisitor, that provides them with their escape route. Yeah. But I love Kanan's explanation later, because Ezra passes out. He doesn't remember any of it. It's literally like a blind rage. And he's like, you know, when you open yourself up to the force, if you're not careful about what you have inside of you, essentially the force amplifies that mm-hmm. and you become one one or the other. You either become a vessel mm-hmm. of light or vessel of dark. I'm seriously ad-libbing. That's not exactly what he said, but essentially... Yeah, it's something like that. It's, it's like when you get drunk in terms of you become more of what you are. Yeah. So like if you're secretly an introvert and you drink you become even more introverted. You become even more like you push yourself away from people. Or you're an extrovert, you know, and you become even more extroverted. Yeah. And so it's that same idea of like, if you're not careful, it enhances the wrong thing. Yeah. And you get in trouble, basically. You you end up in prison for a night to sleep it off or something. Like, Mm -hmm. um, it's just a really interesting way of explaining how it all works because it sometimes it's not clear, well... Yeah. Is the dark side this antagonizing force that takes control of you? N- not really. I mean, if if you have darkness in you, then that's what's going to come out. Yeah. Versus if you have light in you, that's what's going to come out. And so that was an instance of all that baggage that he'd been dealing with earlier was still kind of there. And he was like, un- just ba- unleashed it on yeah. the Inquisitor. Which was a very cool scene. Right. Which is what's so significant to how, like, you're training kids in the force. Kids are the most emotional as they're going through all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be harder to train kids in the force than adults, I feel like? I mean, I know kids are more susceptible, but it's like... Yes. When adults have at least some more mature understanding of their emotions, mm-hmm. I feel like kids, they're constantly emotional. They're constantly yeah. a roller coaster. Which really makes you think about... How are these children who are taken as babies raised in the force? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you train someone out of emotion? Well, I guess that's the thing is like, that's what the whole training process is about is, I mean, I'm looking at it from the perspective of like Ezra or Anakin who are normal kids that then go into the Jedi Order, which, but I, I think that show, I don't think they're wrong for being normal. I think it shows the wrongdoings of the Jedi in terms of taking away an aspect of a person's personality that's important. Emotions are important. Exactly. They are incredibly important. They pretty much rule your existence sometimes. Right. Well, and that's what helps you know yourself better is by knowing your emotions. If you can't, because that's like, that's your language. That's the language of who you really are is your emotions. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly angry, that's the language of you that you've got some stuff you got to deal with. You know, and that's kind of what Kanan talks about there is like, if this is what comes out, that's what's inside you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what what's inside is what comes out. That's the whole point of 
That's why you have to actively work to fill yourself with what you want to come out. If you want to be a more positive person, you've got to fill yourself with positivity. Yeah. If you want to be a nicer person, you've got to fill yourself with nice stuff. Like, you know, uh, if you're not working on that, then basically whatever's in you is just going to be in you. Yeah. So does that mean if I don't work on being nicer, I'm going to be bad? Not necessarily, but it doesn't mean you're going to be good either, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. if means... you're not working to be one, you're going to be the other. If you're not actively working towards a goal, you are going to stay exactly where you are. Right. Which is just as bad as going the opposite direction. Exactly. Anyway, really. Um, and so speaking of emotions, it ends. They, they Sabine had found a little... Uh, disc reader back in Ezra's place um, back in the first episode mm -hmm. and she presents it to him after this big emotional thing and uh, it's got a picture of him and his parents um, he's yeah. probably like five yeah um, he's very young and um, yeah it just ends with him looking at this beautiful picture of him and his folks and it's really nice and um, that's the most we get with that kind of thing with him for right now and yeah. and so it's really too power-packed episodes of character development for our main character yeah. um which is really nice and so yeah some of, some of my favorite episodes from season one um next week we're talking about the path of the jedi which is another one of my favorite very episodes i love when it gets super forcey we see a very familiar wrinkly face show yes, up we do. which uh so it, it it's it's getting into some good places and i'm excited grandma is that you <laughs> Um, so, uh, let us know what you guys thought of these episodes. Let us know what you think of Rebels in general. Uh, check us out on social media to follow us there for all of our other episodes and updates. Um, we've got a Patreon. If you want to join our Patreon for a dollar, you get all kinds of bonuses, including being able to join us and sharing your opinions on Rebel episodes. You might be able to get featured here. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it. Um, also, if you're a gamer or if you want to come hang out with us, Monday we are doing a stream with our friends over at Game Infinite. Game Infinite is a page that does all kinds of cool video game updates and whatnot. And we're joining forces with them um, mm -hmm. to start Star Wars Infinite. It's going to be a Yay. page where you can keep up with all kinds of Star Wars stuff. And to celebrate that, we're going to have a launch party where we stream some Battlefront over on Twitch. So Monday, mark your calendars. Uh, we'll be posting more about that on social media, so check it out. Uh, we hope to see you there and hang out with you and chat with you and just talk Star Wars stuff. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. We like talking Star Wars, so join us in talking Star Wars. Um, other than that, we'll be back eventually. Someday. Someday. We'll see you. Uh, have a good day till then, though, guys. Alrighty. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. I haven't yeah. been saying the thing. What, what's the thing? Stay scruffy!